0: So this morning, we have an impossible task. We're trying to teach 13 chapters, of the book of Exodus. And um, there's no way, you know, there's no way we're going to be able to notice all that God has packed into all these verses. Like, um, there's just so much good. There, there's no way in our 30 minutes together, we're going to be able to get in all the depths and all the richness of, of all of God in these 13 chapters. Um, I was kind of thinking, you know, it'd be like going to Disney World. I don't know if there are any Disney World people in here. I know that there's some to my left, Aaron and Croc and Amy. Um... It'd be like going to disney world and be saying to you you have an hour to ride every ride you want to ride to eat all you want to eat drink all you want to drink but then we have to leave and that's kind of what i'm feeling this morning about exodus like that there's something about the richness of this text that we're just not going to be able to to ride every ride we're not gonna be able to go down deep into every chapter and look at every verse and so what i want to do this morning is i want to give us a big picture of, of exodus so this fall our house churches we're going to be diving really in deep into the book of exodus uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to podcasts from the past two weeks. Uh, Larkin and Aaron and Dave have taught, and you can find those online. Taught really well the first few chapters of Exodus. Um, there's a church down in Dallas named the Village Church, and, and they're actually going through this, uh, the book of Exodus in greater detail than we are. And so if you're, if you're hungry for those things, those are some other resources for you. Um, and I'll also just say this. I want to really invite you to, to just jump in deep to the Word of God. And so this week, I'm going to invite you to, to just read two chapters uh, a day, uh, to catch up in the book of Exodus and so you, you and your spouse or you and your roommates like there's a chance for you to lead and to, to go into a deeper place with those that you're walking through life with and I just invite you to, to really get in the word and to, to get this story into your heart because it's going to be an important part of our journey as a church in the next few weeks. So here's how I want to start today. Um, in every Broadway production, in every play, there's always a lead character, right? It's Alexander Hamilton it's, it's Simba, it's Belle. There is always someone in the story that the, the entire story is centered around. They're the one that, that commands your attention when they're on stage. The lead character's the one that you're thinking about when they're not on stage. As we think about the book of Exodus, there are a lot of supporting characters. There are gonna be a lot of people that we're introduced to this week and over the next few weeks that, that are important figures to this story. But I want us to know this from, from the onset, that, that this, the exodus, this is a story about God. This is God's story. That God is a lead character, that God is a hero, that, that this story is about primarily God. And I hope that, that what we, we do in our, as we're journeying through this, the fall, is that we really see God, that, that we delight in God, that, that we see this story through His eyes. And so let me just tell you real quick about uh, God up until this point in the story. There's only one book in the Bible that we have before the book of Exodus, the book of Genesis, and and here's what we see from the limited things that we know up until this point in the Bible, that that God is a covenant giver and he's a covenant keeper. And we're going to unpack that just a little bit more in a few minutes. That God is powerful, that God is transcendent, and yet God is involved in the affairs of humanity in a very personal and intimate way that God is so incredibly concerned about people who are suffering for his people who are living under the oppression of the enemy. And God is so determined to do something about it. So this is God. That's a brief just understanding of, of who God is. If I could, we could spend all day just talking about him. Like I said, we're trying to get the highlights, trying to get the big story. And so while God is most certainly the main character, the most important character, there are others in the story as well. Let me just introduce them briefly to you to, to give you some context if you've never read the book of Exodus or if it's been a while since you've been in the story. And so the first, you know, supporting character I want to, send, to introduce to us is, are the Israelites. The Israelites are also known as the Hebrews. They are God's special people. They're the ones that held God's special covenant. So the covenant that God issued to his people back in Genesis 12, he told them several things, but he said, I'm gonna bless you, and bless you, Logan, and the reason I'm gonna bless you, Logan, is so that you can bless the world, the world will be blessed through you. Um, and he's talking to, to, the, to his people, and he says, I'm gonna bless you abundantly, and the reason I'm blessing you is so that the whole world will be blessed through you. And God says, I'm also gonna give you this amazing piece of land for you to settle down, for you to have as your own. It's a covenant that God gives to his people. And yet, in the beginning of Exodus, one of the things that you're gonna see this week is, as you're reading, as you're diving deeper into this story is that, that none of the promises have come true, that none of them seem to be coming true for the people of God, that they're not blessed, that because they're not blessed, they're not blessing anyone else. And they're most certainly not living in a land that God has promised to give them. In fact, Exodus picks up and they're living in slavery in Egypt in deep oppression. If I could paint the picture for you of the Israelites, they are people who have experienced years and years and years of harsh labor. It's all their families have known for 400 years. Their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents. Generational slavery is a picture of the Israelites in Exodus. Second character I want to put on our radar is this man named Pharaoh. He is in charge of Egypt. He's leading the charge in the oppression against God's people. He's coming in the way of God blessing the world by oppressing the people of God. We're gonna see this today. Um, Pharaoh's a real man, okay? Like this this is a real story that really happened. This isn't just made up. This isn't just to to teach us something about God. These are real events, real people that really happened. And Pharaoh was incredibly arrogant and prideful, stubborn hearted and ruthless. In addition to enslaving the Israelites, for 400 years, this man had ordered mass genocide. He ordered that every Hebrew Israelite baby boy that was to be be born in the delivery room was to be killed immediately. You think about that. If, If someone issued that decree in America today, how wicked, how oppressive, how sinful. This is Pharaoh. Third supporting character is this man named Moses. And Moses is an Israelite boy. He's grown up to become an Israelite man. That's how that usually works. And he had escaped the genocide. Uh, He once lived in the Egyptian palace. He was incredibly zealous for the people of God. And he was called to play an important role in delivering the people of God and in God keeping his covenant, his promises. It's as brief as a summary as I can give you. I know I didn't do justice to any of those three, but hopefully you'll pick up on more details that'll give you just a a place to start from. Here's how I wanna spend the rest of our time today. I want us to to look well and to see how God interacts with each of these characters, each of these people. We're gonna look at one passage at each of these characters. And and here's what hit me. If if we were just to look at Moses' interaction with God, if we were just to look at Pharaoh's, if we were just to look at God's interaction with the Israelites, we get a very limited picture of God. And so I know that we're biting off a whole lot today, like we're trying to take this filet mignon and stick it in our mouth all at once without cutting it up. That's what it feels like we're doing here. But I, but I wanna just give us um, just a, a brief picture, these small glimpses about who God is and then trust that, that you who have the spirit of God will, will, will keep walking with God and, and keep uh, pressing into him as you read this week. And so uh, let's look at God with the Israelites first. Is uh, Exodus chapter six, uh, starting in verse six, this is God with the Israelites. Page 42, if you're using one of our Bibles. <laughs> Starting in verse six, it says, "'I am the Lord, and I will bring you out "'from under the yoke of the Egyptians. "'I will free you from being slaves to them, "'and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and "'with mighty acts of judgment. "'I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. "'Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, "'who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians.'" And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And Moses reported this to the Israelites. But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their harsh labor. <clears throat> so the Israelites, they, they hear the words of God here. But they don't believe it here. This is in our context. It'd be like me, uh, us sitting down and reading the scriptures. And although we see it, although we read the words, we, we don't believe it deep in our hearts. That's a picture of what's going on with the Israelites in Exodus chapter six. And it hit me that, that we've all been in this place if we're not in this place right now. Especially if you're a follower of Jesus and you know his presence and you know his promises. You know that, that, that one day you will be with him You know that one day God is going to right the wrongs in the world, that he's going to take away our pain. But sometimes, if we're being honest, in the midst of life, in the midst of of struggling with sickness and disease, sometimes in the midst of struggling with financial or relational or career struggles, in the midst of depression, in the midst of heartache, although we read, although we hear, we so struggle to believe here that God is going to come through on his promises. And I love what we learn about God here in Exodus chapter 6. I don't want us to miss this, that, that God does not waver on his promises. That although the people of God are discouraged, this is so many of you today, you come in here and you're discouraged and you can't imagine your situation changing. You can't imagine getting out from the circumstance that you find yourself in. God has spoken. God has spoken to his people. God will deliver them, whether they can see it or not whether they believe it or not because it's not about them it's about his promises and God is a promise keeper. I want to look at God with Moses real quick and I know that's just a brief recap of the Israelites. I want to look at God with Moses we're going to get a brief recap of him and I want to spend the rest of our time looking at Pharaoh. Let's look at Moses real quick in Exodus chapter 3 starting in verse 9. There's so many places that we could go about Moses. His story is just so rich and so beautiful. And you're going to discover that as you read Exodus chapter three, starting in verse nine, this is the Lord talking to Moses and he says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, listen to this, who am I, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said to him, I will be with you. You know what I love about Moses, you'll, you'll read this as you, as you read into Exodus chapter 4. He is, he is so easy to relate to. I mean, so much of his journey is, man, just so human. Like, you're going to read this and you're going to be like, oh, I connect with that. I relate to that. that. That Here's this man that has family issues in his past. I go, how many of us have family issues? Like, we relate to Moses. This man, Moses, is incredibly, he is far from perfect. This man is so aware of his insufficiencies. And yet the defining factor about Moses is that he is willing he is willing to be used by God for God's purposes. And I know it's so easy when we, we hear things like that, we want to jump ahead and we want to start applying that to our lives. Well, what does God have for me? What is he saying to me? I'm open to God. What does God have for me in this moment? But before we get there, before we start making the story about us, I want us to think about God interacting with Moses. And just how special that is, how special God is. One of the things that you see in the Exodus story is that God does all the initiating with Moses. It was God who came looking for Moses. It was God who found Moses. It was God who got his attention. You know that Moses didn't sit around and dream up this idea. He wasn't living and thinking about how terrible the situation was. About, he wasn't sitting there on his whiteboard uh, dreaming about the ways that he was gonna bring about liberty for, for all the people. No, this was God's idea that was, was born in God's heart. And in God's perfect timing, as Moses was just living life, being a dad, working on the farm, paying the bills, God revealed himself to Moses. You think about this, that that God of all the people that he could have chosen to use, Moses wasn't the only man, okay? Okay. That God would use a man who had killed someone in cold, in cold blood. He didn't just kill this man. He tried to cover it up. That God would use this man. That God would use a man that, that couldn't speak well. That God would use a man that was full of fear. And I love this about Moses because God delights in using just everyday normal people. He did it with Moses, he does it today. I wanna spend the rest of our time looking at God interacting with Pharaoh because Pharaoh's story honestly is just harder for us to understand. And we could learn some things about God by looking at God with the Israelites. We could learn some things about God by looking at God with Moses, but there's something about God with Pharaoh that, that I think we just have to dive deep in here for a few minutes. And so turn with me to Exodus chapter five. Thanks for playing along with me today, turning so many pages. Exodus chapter five, starting in verse one. This is how the lead character, this is how God interacts with Pharaoh. It says, afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and they said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God or he may strike us with a plague or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Go down to verse six. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they're crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they may keep working and pay no attention to the lies. And so, you know, I've read this story before, but there's something about this week that I think the blinders kind of came off for me. And I started to see Pharaoh in a different light. That not only does Pharaoh not listen to Moses and Aaron, he he turns up the heat on the oppression. And I think it's so important for us to understand his ruthlessness, his pride, his utter contempt and disregard for the words of the Lord that were spoken through his servant Moses. So this was kind of what hit me this week. It would be like me, my little girl, I've got a little girl, she's almost four. Her name's Finley. It'd be like me sending Finley to preschool and her coming home from school and Courtney and I noticing that her clothes are torn. She has a black eye and a bloody nose and she's hungry because uh, she didn't eat her lunch that day. And so we sit down and we start talking to her. I offended my wife. She's done with me um, talking about Finley. and. Uh, It'd be like me saying to Finley, hey, what happened to you? And she's telling me, hey, these, these people were bullies. They, they took my lunch, they beat up on me, they ripped my clothes, they wouldn't play with me on the playground. And so, you know, it'd be like me calling up her teacher and saying, hey, Miss Devin, hey, um, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but, but some kids picked on Finley today. They tore her clothes and she's crying, she's sad, she doesn't want to come back to school tomorrow and she, she's hungry. Will you just, tomorrow, will you just watch out for her like... Just give her a little bit of care and make sure that no one, there's not a boy that's picking on or make sure she eats her lunch. Would you just kind of watch out for her? And it would be like her, the, the very next day after me having that conversation with her, hearing what I'm saying, and then going back to the classroom when Finley shows up and as soon as they start class, her pointing the attention to Finley. Hey, everyone, I wanna make sure that, that everyone picks on Finley today. like. Everybody needs to eat her Cheetos. Everybody needs to push her down on the playground today. No one talked to her. Everybody pick on her. And this is a picture of, of Pharaoh that, that God shows up and he says, I want you to let my people go so they can worship me. Pharaoh says no. Not only does he say no, he says, I'm gonna turn up the heat on the oppression. I'm gonna hurt them even more. For the next seven chapters. God keeps sending Moses with words to Pharaoh over and over and over and over again. The God of the heavens gives word to speak to, to Moses and Moses so faithfully goes and delivers into Pharaoh. In chapter seven, verse 13, it's an important verse for you, you. can write this down. You can go and read it later. It says this, that Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them. Just as the Lord had said. I love this about God. God didn't just come to Pharaoh with words. He came came to Pharaoh with power and with signs. The video touched on this. You'll discover this in chapter seven through 13 as you read this week that, that God starts performing these signs, these plagues right in front of the face of Pharaoh. He turns a staff, a shepherd's staff into a snake. God turns water into blood and the scriptures tell us that Pharaoh's magicians, his people, his right hand men are able to replicate these two signs. That they're able to do the exact same things that God is able to do. And I don't understand that. I don't understand how that happened, but I believe that that there was something that was going on there. But what you see about after those two signs, after the staff turning into a snake, after the water turning into blood, God keeps performing signs over and over again. And it eventually it leads to this place where, where Pharaoh's people are not able to do what God can do. And they kind of have this enlightening moment, this breakthrough moment, Exodus chapter 8, verse 19, where they say to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Let me break that down for us. Here's what they're saying his own men, his his trusted officials, the people who made decisions with him and for him, they look at him and they say, there's something different about this God. There's something different about his power, that this is a bigger God than the God that we worship. And notice this about Pharaoh, okay, this is important. He wouldn't even listen to his own people. So Pharaoh doesn't listen to Moses and Aaron He pays no attention to to these powerful signs that God is doing right in front of him. His own men are pointing them to him, are pointing Pharaoh to God. It says that Pharaoh keeps hardening his heart. He's closed off. And progressively, God will turn up the intensity on the plagues, the signs. And I think we have to understand this because they start out incredibly harmless. Turning a staff into a snake is is really harmless, unless you're terrified of snakes. (laughs) But no one is hurt, no one is affected by this first sign. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. And so God turns up the intensity. And the plagues start affecting Pharaoh's people, the people of Egypt. God turns the water into blood. He sends gnats and frogs and flies to cover the people. And the scriptures say that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And what we see, what we begin to see about Pharaoh is how deep the pride and the cruelty go in his heart. This is not just a one time situation for him. This is a pattern of his life, this is who he is. Pharaoh doesn't just issue the killing of the Hebrew boys, it's not just evil against another country, against another people group. Pharaoh, the man in charge, he watched as his own people lose all that they had. He watches as his people lose their fields and their farms, their livestock, their health. And it says that his heart was hard. He does not care about his own people who are suffering. And I want to say this, the video addressed it a little bit, but there are some, some difficult things that we see in this story. And I'll mention them here, but you're going to notice this as you read through the book of Exodus. There are going to be things that you're going to read all throughout the scriptures that are hard to deal with. And so I just want to name these two things. The first is this. One of the, the things that you're going to discover in the book of Exodus is that, that after the, 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 the five plagues, after five of the plagues, it says in uh, Exodus chapter 10, verse 20, that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Another difficult thing that you're going to see in this story is in Exodus chapter 12, this thing called Passover. You see, God delivered the Israelites out of slavery. He did. You see it in Exodus chapter 12 and 13. The hard side of this is that, is that God struck down every firstborn Egyptian male. And I've struggled with these two things for a very long time. Christians, brilliant theologians, and atheists alike have read the book of Exodus and have made many conclusions about God over the years. That God would harden Pharaoh's heart. That God would put to death every Egyptian firstborn male. Those things are very hard to read in the Bible. And I realize that I'm probably not going to solve and settle a several thousand year old conversation today, but I do hope to inform us a bit, to help our feelings of fear or hesitation turn into confidence in who God is. One of the things that you see all throughout scripture is that God is powerful, that God is in control, that God alone is holy. And from the very beginning, from the day that God created this world until the day when he returns and we stand face to face with him, the scriptures reveal to us a God that is loving, a God that is merciful, a God that is patient, a God that is compassionate. The scriptures reveal to us a God that has been working, who has been using his power so that not just one people group, but so that the entire world would know him. Not just know about him, but know that he alone is God. That there is no other. And so sometimes we we read things like this in the story. And it's so offensive to us. We read this and we go, this is is not loving. Hardening someone's heart, killing every Egyptian firstborn male. There's nothing merciful about that. And many of us, or many of our children, or many of our friends, we might say something like this. We can never trust or love a God like that. That anyone who would do something like that, I want nothing to do with. And we want God to explain himself. We want him to tell us to to explain his actions. We want to put God on trial and to cross-examine him. And I'm not saying that we should just neglect the hard things that we read in scripture and concentrate on the things that we like. No, I think rather we would do ourselves a, it would do us well if we looked hard at the church, at the hard things, if we looked well at the hard things. I want you to think about this for a minute. If you really look in this story, if you look at God, if you look at Him well, if you look at it hard, what you would see is that God didn't take this soft hearted, humble individual in Pharaoh. God doesn't come to this guy who was searching for truth, who was searching for God, who was searching for meaning, and then all of a sudden capriciously decide to harden his heart. Now if you look well at this story, what you see is the patience of God. You see the mercy of God. That God would display his power right in front of Pharaoh. That God would speak to Pharaoh. And the scriptures tell us that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. You see, God knew this man very well. He created He created him just like he created all of us. Think about the the patience and the mercy of God. That God was set on delivering the people of Israel and he didn't do this by striking down Pharaoh and all the Egyptians from the onset. No, God gave Pharaoh chance after chance after chance to respond in humility and repentance. And yet his heart was unyielding. And it says that God hardened. A better way of thinking about that word, there are three different words that were used in the Hebrew. A better way of thinking about that word is that God strengthened the decision that Pharaoh had already made. Look well at what really happened in this story. Look well at the Passover church. Because what you see is that God passed over the Israelite firstborn males. You say, what does that matter? This is why it matters. God didn't recklessly move through Egypt like a madman on a rampage, killing all in his sight. God looked for the houses that were marked by the blood of the lamb. You see, God had told his people that anyone who will put lamb's blood on the door of their house, I will see it and I will pass over them. That sounds weird to us. It probably sounded weird to them. And while all of Egypt was wailing, all of Israel was rejoicing. Because unlike Pharaoh, the Israelites trusted in God's word. They acted on what he had said. And what they discovered is that by trusting in God, no matter how foolish it looked to to slaughter a lamb and to put the the, the blood on the house they just built. What they discovered is that trusting in God, walking in obedience to his commands actually led to their salvation, to their deliverance from their oppressors and enemies. And this they were unable to do by themselves. And what hit me this week is that what happens when we make decisions about God by just looking at one story, we get a very incomplete picture of God. It would be like you looking at one moment in my life and making a judgment about everything there was to know about me. You see what happens though when we keep looking at God, when you read through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, when you read throughout the Old Testament, when you read the New Testament, <clears throat> what you see is that there are many hard things that you find about God. This is not the only hard thing that you're gonna encounter in the scriptures as you read about God. But what we do is we learn as the people of God who are searching for God, who are searching for truth, we hold on to the hard things that we encounter. We don't sweep them under the rug, we don't ignore them. And at the same time, we hold on to things that we know to be true about God that God is powerful, that God is loving, that God is faithful, that God has the ability to deliver not just one person but a whole people group from those that oppressed it. And we keep looking at God. And as we keep looking at God, as we keep reading, as we keep searching, as we keep following the, the lead character in this story, what we discover is we find this moment where this man named Jesus comes. where this man who was fully and perfectly God, he comes and he dies. And what you learn all throughout the scriptures is that those who trust in this God, who believe in this lamb, as John chapter 1, verse 29 calls Jesus, that this God, that this Jesus, this man was killed so that each and every one of us could be delivered so we could come out from under the oppression of sin and Satan and darkness, as God allows this Jesus, this lamb to bear our sins so that God could pass over us. Church in this life, we will have many times where we question God. If you've not had a a moment in your life where you question God, you will, and don't panic when you do. And there'll be many more times where you don't get answers. In this life, we find ourselves and we find many whom we care about living under all kinds of oppression, all kinds of injustice, from social to spiritual to racial. And while we might not in this life find the deliverance from all the oppression this world puts on us, we will in the next where God promises that there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. And so we come to God. We keep coming to God. We might not understand everything that God does, everything that happens in the scriptures or in our lives. But as a church, we refuse to be people that make judgments about God without looking at the whole story. that we think well about Jesus and the things that Jesus said of himself, that we look well at the life of Jesus, that God doesn't do to the Egyptians what he doesn't do to himself. As he struck every firstborn Egyptian male, so he allowed his firstborn son to be struck. We come to this God we trust him We trust in his sacrifice. We trust in his faithfulness. We trust that he is a promise keeper. And we keep asking him to come. Keep making this world like it will be in heaven. Eradicate the pain, eradicate the suffering, eradicate the injustice, why? Because that's a picture of what heaven will be. I know that this is a ton, man. There's so much in the book of Exodus, and I talked for a long time, and I could talk for a whole lot longer. Um, And I don't know. um, Let's just do this. We're going to take communion. Um, We do this every week. There's a piece of bread and a cup all around the room, and we do this to remember Jesus. He told us to do this. We do this every week. And if you come here today and, and you just need prayer for something, you're going through something in life, if you're struggling with, with God or with life, if there's something that's going on in your life or to someone that you cared much about that just unjust, that they're living under the weight of oppression, come and talk to us. Let's just pray. Let's, let's invite God to bring heaven to earth. For the rest of us, as we take communion, let's pray together. Confess sin together. Confess struggles together. Confess places where, or things that I talked about today, you go, I don't believe in that, or I'm not there yet, it's okay. Like, communion is this time where we gather with God and God's people. We break the bread, we drink the cup so that our eyes are open, so that we remember that Christ is in everything that needs to be done in order for, for us to be saved with God. And if you're looking for a question to discuss in communion, what impacted you today? What spoke to your life or in your situation? From the scriptures. What impacted you? What spoke into your life, your situation from the scriptures? Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. Uh, Thank you for the men and women and children that are here. God, thank you for letting these, uh, this group of people just hang with me. I know we we covered a lot and and God, I, I pray that you would just press these words deep down into us that you would help us not to be scared, not to be ashamed of the things that we read about you that are hard. Help us to, to look well. And God, if, if there's not clarity that comes, don't let us throw the towel in. Let us keep journeying. I, I, I sense that if the first time I would have read this story, if I would have given up on you, I can't imagine where I'd be. So I'm so thankful that you know, for 20 years I've been reading this story and wrestling with it. And, and you finally brought some breakthrough this week. And I thank you for that. God, would you give us perseverance? Would you make us a church that loves each other, that loves this city, that loves you? Would you make us like Jesus? We invite you to come, God, to do what only you can do, to right the wrongs in our world, set the oppressed free. Would you let us be a part of your kingdom in this world? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.